Lord, I pray that you will be in my words and in our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Do please take a seat. Well, I'm sure that all of us who have or have had young children recognise that there are times in our offspring's development when slightly odd things become the focus of interest for them, even verging on an obsession. This, frankly, is how it has been in the Chambers household over recent days. Esther has become increasingly focused on the contents of the desk drawer unit in my study, which unfortunately is unlockable. So it is that she'll regularly stroll in alongside me as I sit at my computer, casually open one of the drawers, and then present me with random gifts of stationary items. We've had handfuls of papers <coughs> dropped in silvery cascades onto the floor. We've had a lengthy conversation about why it wouldn't, frankly, be a good idea for her to chew the end of a fountain pen cartridge. But time and again, Esther returns to this, my desktop calculator, which is a source of endless entertainment and interest to her. She's even tried to take it to bed. <laughs> Our daughter is fascinated by the way in which pressing each of the buttons in a different pattern results in a different display coming up. She's far too young yet, of course, to have a conception of what these combinations of lines on that screen might mean precisely. But she seems to have an awareness that these things, these numbers, are somehow significant. Numbers matter. The number of times we think about something is often related to the importance we attach to it. The number of times train services stop at a particular station maybe gives us a reasonable guide to the prominence of that town. The number of times we call or text or email a person is a pretty good indicator of how important they are to us as well. If we look at any of the four Gospels, we can see with a decent degree of accuracy what's important to the evangelist who wrote that particular account of the life and ministry of Jesus by seeing how frequently particular words crop up. Numbers matter. And this general rule of thumb is particularly applicable, in fact, to our passage this morning from St. John's Gospel, this third Sunday of Advent, where our, where our attention focuses especially on John the Baptist. The figure of John and his encounter with Jesus occur close to the start of all four accounts of Jesus' life. One of the very few incidents before Christ's passion um, for which this is the case, which in itself is, is also an indicator of its importance in our understanding of the person of Jesus. John the Baptist's encounter with him, and most especially 
his baptism of Christ, which occurs in John's account just after our reading, shows the Heavenly Father's absolute affirmation of his Son, even before he'd started any of his public ministry at all. But it's in the context of Advent, with its themes of waiting and preparation, that our reading today starts to reveal what the evangelist John really wants to show us is important in the life and person of Jesus. And we see this, of course, in the numbers. The first word that we encounter of significance in John's account is at the very start of our reading, in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Sent. There are two words um, in New Testament Greek that mean to send, um, but in St. John's Gospel, these two words are used 57 times, almost twice as often as in the other three Gospels. John is sent from God to fulfill his role in preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus, in turn, is sent by his Heavenly Father to the earth. And he himself then sends out his disciples to proclaim the good news that is found in him. This missionary impulse, which goes right back to the very start of the story of God's people, as Abram is sent from his country and his people to a new land which God will show him. This missionary impulse is part of the character of God. To know the Lord and to be obedient to him will always involve being sent in some sense or another. Whether that may be a physical movement from one place to another as we co-labour with God, or a commission to a new way of serving and blessing and leading others in the same location. Being a follower of Jesus, John the Evangelist is telling us through these numbers, very definitely involves being sent by God, as was the case with John the Baptist himself. Secondly, John is sent for a purpose, and that purpose is to be a witness, to testify concerning that light, the light that is Jesus, the light that shines in the darkness, the light that is the light of all mankind. When John is questioned by the Jewish authorities as to who he is, and if his replies, he's also very definite as to who he is not, he answers with the words of the prophet Isaiah. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Once again, the numbers don't lie. Although our translation uses the words witness and testify pretty much interchangeably, they're both from the same uh, Greek root, the same Greek word from which we get our word martyr, the Greek word martyrium. Um, we get martyr from that, the ultimate expression, if you like, of someone witnessing to the person of Jesus, so far as to be prepared to die for their faith. And this word, martyrio, and its variants, is used 47 times in John's Gospel. 
Whereas in the other three Gospels combined, it's only ever used six times. At this point, I wish, um, with all due respect to you lovely people here in this beautiful church, that we were in St. Thomas's in our Fogton this morning, because it would be incredibly helpful to have a big screen behind me that I'd be able to show you a picture of, um, of um, an illustration uh, to make my point a bit better, perhaps. Some of you may know uh, a particular painting. There's a, a famous artwork called the Isenheim Altarpiece by the 16th century German painter Matthias Grunewald. And in the centre of the painting is one of the most moving depictions of Christ on the cross ever executed. He is brutalised and lacerated as he hangs from the nails. But to the right, stands John the Baptist. He stands right hand, raised to point to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God, as he goes on to say in the verse immediately after this morning's passage. Sometimes Christians, and perhaps especially confession, the clergy, get in the way of Jesus. We obscure a clear view of him for others. As a result, maybe of our egos or our neuroses. John, who later declares of Christ, he must become greater, I must become less, not only points to Jesus, but also enables us to have an even clearer view of God's Son. So, for St John, like John the Baptist, as followers of Christ, we are sent, and we're to bear witness to the person of Jesus. But this begs the question, why? What's the point of us doing this? Is it simply that Jesus is a great example of how we might live our lives? That we'll simply uh, apparently enjoy a better quality of life if we put into practice his teachings? I think there's a risk in our very comfortable Western existences. With our religious tolerance, not to mention being the established church in the case of the Church of England with all its pluses and its minuses. But we lose sight of what it's meant in much of the past and in some parts of the world continues to be today, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means, or at least it should be to us, to take up our cross, as Jesus tells his followers they must do. It means to endure costly discipleship. It still means, in some countries, a genuine daily risk of giving up one's freedom, or even one's life, for the sake of Jesus Christ. The reason why John and we are sent to bear witness to Jesus, as we read in verse 7, is in order that through him, and indeed through us, all might believe. John the Baptist stands at the head of a long chain of those who want to point to Jesus, always somehow on the periphery, humbly pointing beyond himself to the one at the centre, the one on the cross at the centre of all, and being ready to pass on the baton of faith and witness to those who come after, 
in order that they may do the same. Once again, the numbers reinforce John's message. Throughout his account, the verb to believe, um, pisteo in Greek, comes 100 times, whereas in the other three Gospels together, it occurs a mere 32. As he draws his account of Christ's ministry to a close, almost as a footnote to the account of doubting Thomas, who refuses to believe in the risen Jesus unless he can see and hear and actually touch the Lord for himself. John once again declares his purpose in this book, which is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And this life of which John writes is not just existing, it is truly living. As Jesus himself declared in chapter 10, verse 10 of John's Gospel, he has come that we might have life and have it to the full. It's the sort of life of which Isaiah prophesies in our first reading, a life full of hope, of restoration, of justice, of righteousness, of beauty, and of blessing. A life of which Jesus declares himself in Luke chapter 4, as he begins his ministry of teaching and healing, to be the fulfillment. A life on this Gaudete Sunday, for which it is worth being joyful. The joy that's the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved by our Father in heaven. And that nothing, not sickness, not failure, not distress, not oppression, not war, not even this dreadful pandemic that has cast such a shadow over 2020. Not even that can take God's love away from us. The joy that is featured in the Church of England's theme for this Christmas, comfort and joy. There are some small devotionals at the back that you might like to, to pick up uh, on your way out, uh, which help us to receive the Lord's comfort in these tough times. A series of devotionals um, around the Christmas period. Um, do pick one up. They're, they're really good, actually. We recognise that where there is joy worth celebrating in our lives. And the joy that above all we find in the good news of Jesus Christ and in the promises of God's kingdom coming to earth, which he brought about 2,000 years ago and which continues through those who follow him today, through you and through me. So as we head out, from St Mary's at the end of this service. Whether or not you pick up one of those comfort and joy devotionals. Let's make sure that even this Christmas, when it seems so hard, and in fact, especially this Christmas, when it is genuinely so hard for those who don't have the comfort of knowing Jesus in their lives. This Christmas may we Remembering that numbers really do matter. Allow ourselves to be sent by God to live out this joy. And in so doing, witness 
to the good news of our Lord and Saviour, that others might believe. In Jesus' name we pray.